0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. I am decidedly outside of the DMV right now. I'm talking to you from just outside Minneapolis about, I don't know, eight or ten minutes from the Vikings practice facility as the NFL owners meeting will take place Monday and Tuesday, Right, by the Vikings practice facility. So I'm here for that. Obviously, here to hear what what the league might have to say about the Dan Snyder situation, uh, you know, selling the team, where are we at with updates. Um, That's what we'll we'll be discussing here. So that is why I am here. We've got a few other things to discuss, though. Here's what I've got for you on the podcast. On Saturday, the commanders held a flag football clinic for kids, at the facility, uh, Eric Bieniemy was there and he was uh, g- uh, given uh, to us for a few minutes to, to chat, just to catch up. We have not really talked to him for some time. So I'm going to play some of that uh, press conference, so to speak, there with basically my, uh, myself and a couple other reporters. So we'll get to that in a moment and, and let you hear what he had to say. In addition, Virginia State Senator Chap Peterson joined me on uh, Friday to get his view of where things stand right now overall with the Commander's Stadium situation and where he thinks Virginia is positioned um, among the other jurisdictions. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standard Grimaldi podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. I'll have a story up on Monday, speaking of Eric Biannimi on The Athletic. About B and some thoughts on him uh, coming in to uh, c- coming in to help uh, you know try to turn this offense around. Uh, so you can do that. now, <clears throat> before I get to a couple notes here, if you're a Twitter person, uh, be warned that uh, <laughs> the, the the at Ben standing account is unfortunately right now not under my control. I got hacked over the weekend. Not great, not great. Uh, but we're hopeful. Fingers crossed, we'll get things straightened out there. In the interim, um, I've had this second account all this time. When I used to run uh, this account for uh, Breaking Burgundy for Scout.com 100 years ago, I've kept it. It was at Break Burgundy, but I've switched it for now to at Ben Standing temp, as in temporary. So I'll be tweeting from there for the moment, and hopefully just a moment. But uh, just a heads up. On that front, if if the, if the ad bandstandic starts tweeting randomness, just it's not me. I'll tell you when it's back, we're, we're back to, to my randomness. <laughs> um. All right, so a couple of things here. So as I mentioned, we're in Minnesota. They will not be having a vote this week. The, the league confirmed that on Friday during a press conference, but this was a, a pretty known deal. I mean, from the, even when Josh Harris and Dan Snyder put out a statement about their uh, agreement to sell the team. You know, Josh Harris's comment said, we, you know, we hope to wrap this up in the next over the next couple of months. I had a league uh, source say something similar, uh, sort of that vague timeline, but one that's shooting out towards the distance. So the idea that this would be, they'd be having a meeting within like a week or so never made any sense. But nonetheless, it is not going to happen here in Minnesota. What will happen here though is that Roger Goodell will hold a press conference at some point. And, um, the, the owners will be, uh, around and about, and we'll see if any of them are willing to talk and, uh, what they have to say about the whole situation. So, you know, obviously we've been, de- this whole, for, for weeks and weeks now, we've been going, when is this going to get done? When is this going to get done? You know, I, I've been trying to offer no opinion, frankly, throughout this time, um, because it's it's been hard to know, and even though the Josh Harris, you know, side has had reached an agreement with the Dan Snyder side, you know, over a month ago at this point, you know, it is still clearly not resolved. And I I think that's a combination of sorting out the debt limit on the Josh Harris side and and maybe some details on the. Snyder side. So again, we'll see what we can find out here. Uh, hopefully we'll get some good information or get some owners talking on the record about what they think until then we wait. The commanders will be back on the field this week. The media will be out there on Wednesday. I should be back in town for that. So you can, uh, get ready for that. And we have, we'll we'll be tweeting out updates. At least I will be from my backup account. (laughs) Uh, tweeting out updates about what's going on and how they look, but that we'll wait till Wednesday for that. So, Monday, Tuesday here in Minnesota, Wednesday back in Ashburn. Alright, some other news this week. Uh, joint practices. It's going to happen. First time under Ron Rivera. The Commanders will hold joint practices. It'll be in Baltimore. technically owns Mills against the Ravens ahead of the second preseason game where, where the Ravens will come to FedEx Field. So, there'll be two days and, uh, look, I think the joint practices, I think we all kind of agree. This is a good deal. Rivera had said earlier in the off season that he would like to get this done. I think there was some, you know, there was some sense that could have happened even last year, maybe with the Buffalo bills before the JD McKissick situation went down. Nonetheless, they're going to do that this year. So I think that's going to be, uh, an exciting deal. And, you know, we know how the preseason games can go. They may not use, you know, a lot of the starters much at all, uh, you know, Maybe some in the first game, more in the second game, and then none in the third game, but having the joint practices does you know to a degree make up for that at least a little bit so um, good news there, I believe for all involved, but uh, so we'll deal with that later on in this summer. Um, just a quick note on Andrew Norwell. I have talked about this before that we're just waiting basically for him to get released. And you might be asking, well, what, why has it happened? Why did Chase Rie already get released, but not Norwell? I believe my understanding is that Norwell has been dealing with an injury that he sort of played through with at the end of the year and then need that to get uh, cleared medically before they could release him. So I, I, you know, I think that will happen. I I don't see any reason that it won't, uh, but I'm just giving you that little sort of heads up there as to why it's taking this long. But again, Two times now, Rivera has discussed the left guard competition, and neither time did he mention Norwell directly. So um, we are just waiting, essentially, for the release, but that's why it has not happened quite yet. Um, all right, enough out of me. Let's get to uh, be- Eric enemy here. As I said, he spoke to a few of us out at Ashburn be- uh, right as this pra- uh, tri- uh, kid's clinic was starting You'll hear myself, uh, Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post, and John Kime from ESPN, asking enemy different questions. I, I would just say this: I'm, I'm just going to be honest. You're not going to hear some deep dive from Beanie about what his plans are for this year, for the offense, for Sam Howell, or for anything like that. But I think you, an interesting, what is interesting, I think for for fans will be listening to his tone, listening to him speak, listening to the confidence. I I think that will be, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be um, on display this year and talking to the players as well. And, you know, with enemy, they're getting a guy that people hope can be a legitimate offensive coordinator uh, upgrade for Washington. But also I think there's an attitude there as well in a positive way to give these guys, uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a different vibe than what they had, more confidence, more urgency. I think that is also something that should, should benefit them if that's what they ultimately get. And I think uh, I'll be curious to see or to hear what you think about Biennemi's tone here. So let's get to this, though. We'll, we'll start off with Eric Bien-Aimé, uh this week and then my conversation with Virginia State Senator Chat Peterson on the stadium uh, hunt here on the Standard Groom Only podcast.
1: We've been going through our OTAs, our Phase 2 uh, portion of it. I've uh, been doing some installs and obviously getting uh, some work out on the field. The guys have done a heck of a job. Uh, I think they're doing a great job of learning, but on top of that, they're doing a heck of a job of going out there and uh, executing what I expect them to do. It's been fun, there's a good group of men. On top of that, they've been working their tails off, so I'm excited about the next phase.
0: You could have mentioned this in your presser about the difference in not just practicing, you know, as a system you're familiar with, but you come here and now you're installing it and teaching it to coaches and players.
1: Mm-hmm. Just how much different is that for you? Um, just kind of starting over in that regard. You know what? It's 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 different. and I say this, and I and hopefully this doesn't get taken the wrong way, because when you've been in this, uh, a place for ten years, you have a tendency to take certain things for granted. Mm-hmm. And so what this has done it's helped me to go back and dot all the i's and cross all the t's and making sure that i'm giving the proper instruction and not just taking anything for granted because i knew such and such coach would be able to explain this or be able to take the time to to go over this detail in this particular meeting so my my goal is to make sure that i'm giving all the instruction and making sure these guys are tooled and ready all right so if any question come up now they can have that answer. All right? So the biggest thing is just making sure that everybody has a complete understanding. And if they don't have an understanding, it's my job to make sure that I give them the answer. Has it energized you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm fired up and excited. I'm always fired up and excited. But it's giving me a whole new outlook, just observing and then studying, you know, not just what studying our plays and what we do, how our guys are going to fit in the system. And I think that's important. One of the questions, of course, is just like, what is an Eric Biennium
0: system? Does going through this process help you, even for you to de- define exactly
1: what it's going to be here? Well, there is a system, but the thing is, I want to make sure the system can work with the players that we have. And so, at the end of the day, it, it's not about, quote unquote, the system. It's about what the players can do and how well they can do it and helping us to get across that finish line. But when it's all said and done, yes, we will throw it and we're going to run it just like every other team. But when it's all said and done, we're going to play great team ball and find a way to making sure that we're giving ourselves the best opportunity to be the best that we can be.
0: When you're installing something, what's maybe the biggest challenge, when you, especially when you have some young quarter, a young quarterback like Sam, what's the biggest challenge when you're installing
1: I don't think there's any challenge when you're installing. That's why you have other coaches as well. You have assistant coaches because now they can, what you did in detail, they can go into detail, making sure that they're covering all the little aspects of the things that may not have gotten covered or understood in that particular moment. But at the end of the day, uh, the thing that I enjoy is just the instructional aspect of it, being the teacher again. Making sure that I'm giving all the proper details and giving these guys answers that they may need moving forward.
0: You talk about tailoring it to your players. How do you, how do you go about that? Like, how much is there, like, sort of trial and error?
1: There's a lot of trial and error because you don't know what you don't know until you go out there and see guys do it. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, you want to give all these guys the opportunity to show what they can do. But then you just learn and study. Your peers, you learn and study the, the talent that you have, and you see how they improvise and adjust, and how they adapt to all the new nuances. Of what we expect them to do, so that's the fun part about this. So we're all growing together. But like I said, these guys have been—they've been into it. They've been working their tails off. They're excited. I mean, they sit quietly <laughs> in the room. I mean, it's, it's like being at kindergarten teacher, <laughs> teaching young kids again how to go about their business and, 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 and handle their day. But these guys, are they, they've been doing good, and I'm excited about what we're doing moving forward. What's your early impression of Sam, Paul? Sam's in a heck of a job. Sam's uh, very professional. He's very critical of self. He's very self-aware. But on top of that, he's talented, okay? He wants to be the very best that he can be. And when it's all said and done with, he just want to do whatever he can to help this team to grow in the right direction.
0: How about Jacoby?
1: Jacoby is the ultimate professional. He's been around this business for a long time. He's been a great addition in that room just from the experience that he's had. And on top of that, he can share that experience with men in that room you guys added a few rookies a few offensive pieces in the draft what are your thoughts initial thoughts on some of those guys can't always, can't, can't get enough offensive linemen so anytime you have offensive linemen that you can add and develop because if you don't develop them, it's gonna cost you. So you might as well get some pieces that can come in there and contribute. Both those guys are doing a heck of a job. And uh, I'm fired up and excited. And on top of that, we got the young runner. I think the young runner's done a heck of a job so far. Obviously, he's been here for a week. So these guys are finding their way, fitting in with the nucleus of the groups. And so our young coaches are doing a heck of a job of getting these guys going. What did you like about Chris
0: Rodriguez as a
1: He plays hard. Mm-hmm. He runs hard. Uh, He's a player that has good hands. You know, he does a lot of things good. At the end of the day, when you're coaching that position, you want the best football players who happen to play the running back position. So he's one of those guys that brings a different element, not so much that all the other guys are not different, but he can run it, he can catch it, but on top of that, he can protect the quarterback when asked to. You got three pretty big backs. Was that... Intended to get, <laughs> to get size there. Well, normally big bodies can move people, right? It's so, <laughs> you. You love when those big bodies can go out there and change the outlook on the game and make those guys make business decisions. You know, in the open field, uh, throughout the course of the game. And I'm talking about secondary defenders. But uh, these guys are—they—they're they're all a big. But yes, they all bring something different to the table. But I will say this, okay? They all have that temperament that they got to be the best football player just because brian has displayed that he can run it physically he's also a kid that can go out on the perimeter and make catches he's also proven that he has great hands and on top of that he's willing to protect the quarterback such as ag so i'm excited about what everybody brings to the table and these guys get it they understand it they're into it And now it's time to just to keep implementing and moving forward to see what happens once we get to uh, opening day.
0: We saw it. All right. Uh, We've talked a lot about the stadium this week. So here to give us some insight on as somebody who's going to be dealing with this topic again, they already has and will again at some point is Virginia State Senator Chap Peterson, who was uh, front and center last year when this was a uh, hot topic in Virginia. Uh, Chap, appreciate the time.
2: Thank you for
0: having me on, Ben. Um, So it's been, the world has changed a bit since we, since, uh, you know, myself and other, other reporters uh, were reaching out to you and your colleagues, uh, because at that point, you know, it was like, Hey, is Virginia going to be able to uh, get this done? Do they want to get a deal done? Uh, And then when things ended and a few months later, Dan Snyder puts the team up for sale. And now we're here where he's got an agreement in place to sell the team. Uh, if I told you this last summer, when this was all going on, would you believe that this is kind of where we'd be at in terms of the ownership?
2: Uh, wow. You know what? I guess probably no. I mean, there have been so many rumors about Snyder selling the team, and uh, to think that it's you know finally going to come to fruition. It obviously it uh, yeah that that's that's a sig- significant change of circumstance.
0: Uh, no, no, no doubt. Now you are. Not just a uh, state center, but you are a long-time fan of this team, correct?
2: Yeah, I was a season ticket holder for 23 years. Uh, you know, I was very involved with the team um, on a lot of different levels. I represented the native tribes that supported the name Redskins in the, uh some of the litigation that revolved around it. And I uh, was just generally someone that supported the team in the stadium and, and outside the stadium. And, you know, I was uh, – Redskins fan uh, as a little kid, and it was one of the great loves of my life, next to my wife Sharon.
0: Um, yeah, uh, for uh, for for, for sure. Um, with regards to um, yeah, well, actually, let me ask you this: so, as a, as a uh, former season ticket holder, what does this mean to you that a new group is coming in?
2: Well, you know. it, it it's not that it's going to immediately change me. I I think I made a pretty hard break from the team in 2020 for a lot of reasons. Um, Some which had to do with my own mental health, some which had to do with, you know, I was a Redskins fan and and going to another team and a different name and a different tradition was, you know, it just, I didn't, I didn't feel the same pull. Um, We'll see. I mean, I love football. Uh, Playing, coaching, watching football is, you know, something I really enjoy. So I'm kind of in a wait and see. I'm not going to immediately re-up season tickets. I think that was, you know, when the kids were younger and I'd take them all to the stadium and, you know, it's hard to recapture that moment. But I'm like a lot of sports fans. I think I'll probably watch and see how things develop.
0: <laughs> fair, fair enough. Well, uh, you're going to obviously see how things develop here over the next a few weeks or months with regards yeah. to ownership and and, and what the, the Josh Harris group, whenever they're finally approved, um, how they weigh in on the stadium situation uh you also you know there's only some it's not much you can do about whatever dc or maryland choose to do so let's just right. focus on on virginia right virginia was easily i thought the most aggressive of the three jurisdictions last year there was at one point even some talk of maybe like a billion dollars in some sort of uh, funding or incentives or or, or what right. have you the number got whittled down over time and then ultimately was you know put on hold uh, you know, and that's kind of where things are at now. W- where for you is this? Is the Virginia's view of the stadium at right now?
2: Well, I, I think you know we 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 started off interested in the team in 2022, and there was legislation which came through Senate Finance that was had a, a financing scheme whereby new taxes that would have been generated by the team and by the stadium, a portion of that would have put been put back into uh, retiring the bonds on the stadium, and, and you know, it's, it was not atypical to what we had talked about with pro baseball. It Was not atypical to what other localities had done, and I, we ended up taking a hard pass on it. And I think there were a couple reasons. One was, I think just the just the uncertainty and the toxic nature of the team, and, and just the just everything, the fan base, the the, the controversies, uh, the lack of fan interest, to be quite blunt uh with the team that we just it it wasn't the most attractive entity and then secondly i think there was a lot of pushback and i heard this and and you know i I, i've heard it i'm up for re-election this year so i'm hearing it right now people didn't want to see their taxpayer money spent on a private sports team which i totally understand and i think there was a lot of pushback on that and so I think those were the two issues. Now, the first issue may be solved. I, I think, yes, a new ownership group is going to resolve a lot of the controversies. It still is not like the old Redskins under Jack Kent Cooke, where you had a team that really unified a community. We're not we're not there. Um, but even though assuming we did, I still think the second issue is a very high mountain to cross, and that is this concept that we are going to take taxpayer money and, and build a privately funded stadium or assist in building a privately funded stadium. And I know that there's... Ways that you can count the money, or you count new tax revenue, um, and you sort of wrap it back inside the project. And you know, arguably, we did that to some extent with Amazon, although Amazon created a lot more jobs. Um, but that—that's a very high hurdle. A very high hurdle. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. no, no, no doubt about it. Um, you, you mentioned the election year. I can't imagine that uh, this type of project is something that. Uh, constituents are get too excited about for sure. That said, if the Josh Harris group is sort of you know slow to this, like hey, we've got to you know we've got to get our ducks in a row. We need to maybe do some studies or whatever they think they need to do to get this going. And then we're looking at six months from now, nine months from now, right. maybe even a year from now. Do you think that changes the dynamic at all in terms of a willingness to um, to engage in that way? You know
2: what? Um, believe it or not. A lot of this business is personal, and I remember telling Dan Snyder and his ownership group back in the day, back when I was still someone that they listened to that he ought to go to the stadium on game day stand at the front gate and shake every hand walking in and uh, just let people know that he cared about their opinions as fans and he wanted to you know put the best team on the field to to you know fulfill their pride. This this new group, I think, if they really if they want to do business with the Commonwealth of Virginia, I think they need to come into Virginia. They need to they should be doing uh, camps for kids, you know, maybe uh, local high school teams, uh, local youth football teams. Uh, they ought to go down to Richmond and meet with the General Assembly. And and I don't mean like send their lobbyists down. I mean the new owners ought to come. You know, Magic Johnson, whomever. You know, the bottom line is we're not going to get bowled over by saying hey someone I you know someone's saying. I got a pro sports team, you know, kiss the ring. That's not how it works anymore. And I think they need to come into the community and show that they're interested and they're going to be willing to invest. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a while because, like I said, it's it's we're a long way away from when the Redskins were winning Super Bowls and, and we had a million people in the streets of D.C. celebrate, and that's, that's 30-some years ago, 31 years ago. And I just feel like this, this group... Uh, more power to them but they need to get out and meet people and and it's got to be it's got to be personal
0: right and i and i think I, I i spoke to uh one of your uh colleagues uh in the general assembly uh david reed uh one of the delegates yeah and okay. uh yep. and he was saying that like at least now with the new group discussions of the project can be viewed from an economic viability standpoint, whereas last year, at least, it became more of a referendum on Dan Snyder almost specifically, and I think that's to your point. Yeah. Like, at least with a new group in there, whatever discussions are being had across the region can be viewed um, about the actual project versus, wow, we can't really do business when a group with, with an organization that's being investigated by Congress and has a, a, umpteen other uh, issues going on.
2: I think that's fair.
0: Um, did you have a chance to see uh, the ESPN story that came out earlier this week that that had uh, that they had a look at a uh, perspective from Josh Harris uh, and talked about potential investments from Virginia specifically uh, upwards of maybe even one point five billion dollars?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, um, I I've been asked about that. I think the idea that they're going to get one point five billion from Virginia uh is crazy. I mean that's just that's 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 a non-starter. I think the the deal that we had proposed from Snyder was like 6 to 700 million in what would have been new generate new revenue that would have been basically folded back into the stadium or fold, you know, retiring bonds and that eventually got whittled down to I think 300 million. Um so 1.5 billion is not that's just not not going to happen.
0: Uh, f- f- fair enough. Um, the um with regards to the location let's just say yeah. for argument's sake that the commander say hey we'd like all the jurisdictions to give us your best presentation you know help us out here just give us one spot to consider is there one spot for you in virginia right now that makes the most sense to present in in that way and if so which one and and what are the some of the uh benefits of that of that spot
2: yeah well i would have said uh Thirty years ago, Doug Wilder and Jack Kent Cooke, two of the great personalities of their generation, had a handshake deal to locate the new stadium at the Naval Yards, um, right in Alexandria, uh, the old RF&P site, and uh, that blew up and it ended up becoming a, a discount shopping mall. That would have been perfect because it's right on the river and right on a metro line. Um you know, I, I guess you could try and shoehorn in something to uh, that Woodbridge site, although that Route 95 traffic will be problematic. You know, I mean, to be brutally honest, the best place for the team to go is back to RFK. I think we all know that. That's that's the nerve center of our community. It's a beautiful stadium site. You can walk there from Capitol Hill and uh, as a fan. Um, that to me I would love to go to a football game in RFK one last time before I die
0: I, I, I mean you look you, you, as a as a person who was a season ticket holder I totally get that emotion I mean I, I used to go to games at RFK myself But was this I guess you know, a year or so ago when when there was Virginia was had seem, seemingly some momentum behind this yeah. was did you have that same feeling then, or does it feel different now because maybe D.C. is more engaged? You you
2: asked me, and again, I'm speaking as as an individual, as a a Redskins fan, as sort of a traditional Washington-area, Washingtonian guy. You know, economically, look, my job is not to sort of fulfill my own nostalgia. My job is to make a good deal for my constituents. And, and, you know, if someone came in and they're like, you know, we'll we'll put the team here, we'll re redevelop an area. We'll create shopping malls. We'll create mixed use. We'll create housing. We'll create a community. Here's the the economic spinoff. Yeah, I think we'll take that seriously. And and that's kind of what the team was trying to do last year. Um, So, you know, at the end of the day, we will look for economic viability. Um, And if people want to do business in Virginia, they have an economic package that makes sense for us. Then, of course, we're going to entertain it. Uh, This idea that we're just going to write a check for a stadium, though, is not not how it's going to work. I think the team needs to come to us and say, "Here's what we can offer."
0: Got it. And and um, d- yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be so fascinating to see. And I guess to sort of last on this note, I, I, obviously, again, with, with moving on from Dan Snyder, puts a lot more people, I think, in play for for wanting to at least engage in this topic. And and you've already seen d- DC and Maryland be more vocal about having interest than it seemed that they were before. If it is sort of that, you know, three-way kind of race, how do you think Virginia squares up um, ultimately against uh, those other areas?
2: I think Virginia has a couple benefits in that we're a more pro-business jurisdiction. Um, you know, our right-to-work state, um, you know, we have probably, I'm sure we have lower tax rates than the district or Maryland um, so that's all an advantage. Uh, I also think that, you know, at least it, in, to some extent, this, the fan base, at least, you know, years ago when I was going to games, the fan base was really spread more down towards Virginia and Richmond and Hampton Roads than it was up towards Maryland. So, you know, you, if to the extent you locate Virginia, you may be, you know, better within your fan base. Uh, I'm not sure if that's still the case. Um, yeah, so those are some of the advantages of Virginia. Um. Uh, and you know we got we've got uh, a population with disposable income. We got people that I'm sure can afford season tickets. Um, so that's another advantage.
0: For for sure. Hey, uh, Cap, I really appreciate yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good talking C- to you. Yeah, thank you so much, State Senator Cap Peterson, on uh, the stadium search from the Virginia perspective. But, yeah. All right. Many thanks too. Uh, Chat Peterson for his time. Uh, appreciate Eric Bien-Ami being available for us on Saturday, and of course, thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast and checking out the Athletic. Um, we'll see what happens here in Minnesota. I will be keeping you up to date. And uh, you know, again, if you want to follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig T E M P, uh, that's where we're at for now. <laughs> Hopefully not for long. But that's it for now. Ben Standig signing off. Until next time. See ya.